Hey, we're in a series called Awestruck. Awestruck. And we're walking through the book of Isaiah, taking different chapters at different spots and just saying, Lord, blow us away with how great you are. Uh, stun us with your grandeur. We're ready to see you, uh, maybe for the first time, clearly. Uh, awestruck. We're going to be going through this series in November and December. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, welcome. Glad to have you with us. And uh, so let's get started. All right. This, uh, this past week was Thanksgiving. Did you know that? Yeah. Uh, have you ever noticed how certain words get used and uh, they get so overused uh, that they're underrated? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, words like great. Man, that turkey was great, right? What a great afternoon together as a family. That was a great football game. That was a, not really, but we use that word, right? Great. And, and, and what, is, what do we really mean by it? We mean like, well, it was pretty good. Great. Like, uh, it was kind of almost better than some of them that I typically have. Great. Like, it was nice. I could write home to mama about that one. You know what I'm saying? Great. It was, it was Okay. And, and that's not what great means, all right? Just so you know. And so it gets misused in the community. And just so you know, theologically speaking, God is great, all right? And what it means is the following. It means he's incomparable. Uh, none other like him. It means he is more stunning than any other anywhere ever. More powerful than any other, more vast than any other, more loving than any other, uh, that kind of great. Like that's what it means when we say our God is great. Let's not lose sight of the fact that it means better than anyone and anything, anywhere, ever for all time. Uh, Our God is what? Yeah, that was kind of weak. Our God is what? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Our God is great. And we're here today to be awed by his greatness, to jaw drop, you know, the, as we maybe grasp for the first time how great he is. Our God is great. And so turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 31. Isaiah 40, 9 through 31. We got ushers coming forward and uh, they got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. All right. We're going to be walking through this passage. So you're going to want a Bible for this. Isaiah 40 verse nine. Just keep your hand raised and they'll get a Bible to you there. All right. So how should we be responding to a God who is great? That's our points we're going to be looking at today. Point number one, behold your God and proclaim his greatness to all. Uh, behold him. That means like, check him out. Uh, keep your eyes fixed on him. Watch him and look at him and be amazed by him. Behold your God and proclaim his greatness to all. We'll start in verse nine here. It says, get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Okay. So Zion and Judah, these are names for the nation uh, that was chosen, uh, Israel. And there was some uh, splitting that had gone on. We're not going to go into that history here, but the reality is these are God's people and he's working with them and they know of what he's going to be doing. So let's make sure we got a little backdrop. All right. When we jump into a book, we always need a little backdrop and especially uh, books uh, in the Old Testament. You got to make sure you grasp where it's coming from. Isaiah. So this is a, a prophetic book, meaning it was written before the time that it was going to apply. All right. And so God's telling him what to write and what to record. Uh, ready for this? Uh, 170 years before this chapter is going to apply thereabouts. All right. Maybe even a little bit more. Uh, so some hundred years plus until chapter one applies and then chapters one through 39, like they're all about what's going to happen to Israel or Judah in that upcoming time frame. Uh, they're going to be taken captive to Babylon. Some hundred years plus from now, this is what's coming. Prepare. Okay. That's what he's saying. That's chapters one through 39. Chapter 40 is the beginning of hope. 
It's like, yes, some bad stuff's coming in Babylon and the captivity, but I'm telling you, after 70 years, you have a savior, you have a redeemer, you have a king, and you can trust in this God. Uh, Get to the mountaintop and proclaim about him. All right, that's what's going on. So he says, get up to a high mountain. What is in the world? Like, is he talking about escape away, get away from people? Like, that's not what he means. He means get to a place where when you stand up, people can hear you better. And if you need to go higher, that more can hear you, then do it. And get up and up and up that God might be proclaimed amongst the nations. Get high up on a mountain and make sure that they're hearing your voice. Herald of good news. What good news? Salvation. Uh, That you were coming out of Babylon and out of captivity. That you have a king you can trust in. And his name is God Almighty. Uh, Lift up your voice with strength. It's not, um, I I have a great God. I'm sorry, what? I have have a great God. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I I have a great God, right? Don't make me say that too loud. Like, that's not what he's talking about. He's like, say it loud. Say it boisterous. Lift it up. That people might hear you. Make sure they understand the message that you're trusting in your king. Lift it up and fear not. What if I look weird? Uh, What if they start questioning me? Uh, What if I start getting pressure? Uh, What if politically it's the wrong time and I might be punished for it? And fear not. All right. Lord, may you be glorified. I am worried most about your glory, O king. That's what he's saying. Make sure you're ready for your God to be lifted up. Behold your God. Man, if there's any other command to grab in this passage, I don't know what it is. This is it. Behold your God. Look upon him. Be amazed by him. Be stunned by him. And uh, what I love now is that uh, God leads Isaiah through a beholding. All right. It's like, let me tell you a little bit about your God. So verse 10 starts out with how powerful this great God is. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Uh, He comes with might like God can get it done. I'm telling you, he's not walking in going, boy, I hope I got something that I can deliver to this moment. I'm not really sure if like I have it covered. That's God. Nothing too big for him. Nothing. It says his arm rules. That's like, uh, you know, it's like his guns. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's what he's saying. God's got it covered. Don't worry about it. He's got this thing managed. Our God is mighty and powerful and capable and can get anything done. Our God is powerful. Uh, But the second verse that comes right after it's super important as well. Oftentimes with great power, comes uh, harshness verse 11 he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young gentle our god is gentle he's going to take time to shepherd and care he's going to nurture He says here he's going to tend his flock. That means he's going to lead them beside still waters, right? Psalm 23. He's going to be the ultimate shepherd providing for them in their needs. Times where you need rest. Times where you need uh, sustenance. Times where you just need him. He's going to be the great shepherd. Hey, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but uh, shepherds do not drive their sheep. All right. Shepherds do not come behind their sheep, whipping them, trying to move them along. That's not how it works. In fact, they're out ahead of them. They may have one or two of them with. They might even have one of them on their shoulders and they're talking to them as they're moving. They get to know their voice and they follow them. That's where the passage comes from, that we will follow his voice. Shepherds lead. They're out in front but they know how to care along the way. He's leading the way. He's gathering his lambs in his arms, 
those moments where they collapse and they can't walk another step or they've got a broken leg or whatever might be the case. He picks them up. He holds them. He might put them over his shoulders and he walks with them. He gently leads those that are with young. He's not a harsh God. He's not a uh, cruel God. His power does not make him unruly, but in fact makes him super gentle. He completely understands what needs to take place and he leans in in our life. Our God is great because he's got awesome, immeasurable power and yet stunning gentleness in the moment. Uh, Verse 12, he's also massive. Uh, Who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? All right, just do this with me. You ready? Everybody take your hand and just kind of cup it together. All right, that's what he's talking about. In the cup of your hand, if you look down, if you were God, that would be like all the oceans of the world right there in your little hand right there. Oceans, right? That's what he's saying. And he's saying the span, that's like from the edge of your thumb to the edge of your pinky. It's like nine inches for the average human being. The span, well, that for God, yeah, that's the whole universe. It's just across the span. And so get that in perspective. Like we live on one planet within one solar system, within one galaxy, and there's billions of galaxies. And God's like, Get that covered. You know what I'm saying? Massive. That's who our God is. Absolutely bigger than anything we could imagine. It says, enclose the dust of the earth in a measure. In a measure. That's like a little thin, small cup that you could kind of put things in to measure with. Something you might use in the kitchen to measure with. And he's like, dust of the universe. Like my measuring cup is massive. To me, it's nothing, but to you, it is so huge. That's our God having it under control. He weighs the mountains in scales. When I first read this, I was like, yeah, I don't get that. Like he's really, uh, he cares what the mountains weigh. Like, what are they trying to say? And I think this is what they're trying to say. God has a measuring tool called a scale and he can actually put a mountain on it and it fits. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you and I. Uh, we have scales, you know what I mean? And, and we put little things on it and we measure the differences there. And, and, and God's is like so huge that the mountains of the world can be placed on it and measured. And, and the scales, the same thing right after it. It says that he's got these scales and these mountains, these balances and these hills. And just so you know, uh, well, that's the size of God's scale. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man shows him counsel? Our God is massive in in his existence. He is huge. Our God is everywhere. And we're not worshiping a God who's like some thought. We're not worshiping a God who's just a being. Here's the deal. You have a chance to worship the God of the universe. And he's got this place completely under control. Praise be to God. And so as we struggle with a problem, like what do I do with this kind of information? Know this. God can address the problem with his power, with his vastness, with his gentleness. Whatever we're struggling with, Lord, you're big enough to handle it. Here's the next beautiful thing about the greatness of our God. He's intelligent. Uh, verse 13 said that he goes, he doesn't go for anybody with counsel. Uh, verse 14, uh, whom did he consult and, and who made him understand? Uh, in other words, God had it. It's not like we walked up and we we're like, Hey, God needs some help. And he's like, man, I'm glad you asked. I'm a little confused about the situation over here and I'm trying to figure out what to do. What do you think I should do? That's not God. We walk up and we're like, God, you need our help. And he's like, that's a nice little thought i'd love to hear from you just because i want to relate to you but i've got it under control i've got it under control it's the idea of a little child jumping in their dad's lap and trying to help them lead the financials for the house 
And that's not how it goes down. God's got it. He says, whom did he consult and who did he understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Man, I love this moment. Get this. The very innate character of God is justice. It wasn't taught to him. He's not trying to act just. It's who he is. He is just. That's who he is. He completely gets what's right. And he knows exactly what he should be doing in your life. God at work in our hearts and our lives. He's just being who he is. Not faking it. He's not acting it. And it just exudes all over him. That's who our God is. Uh, he didn't need anybody to teach him. He's completely intelligent and it's completely innate. He is powerful. He is gentle. He is massive. He's intelligent. Verse 15, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Like, hey, do me a favor. Collect every single person that ever existed together, all the billions upon billions of people, and get me a bucket. And this is what it's like for God's bucket. Like that's what we're talking about. The drop in a bucket. That's all it is. Nations upon nations of people. God is so much bigger. And are accounted as the dust on the scales. This is a powerful analogy once you get what it means. You're accounted for as dust on the scales. So here's what it means. When you have a scale that you're using to try to figure out what you're going to pay... Okay, so you come up and you're like, how much? And the gold is like so much per ounce, right? And so you put the gold on one side and then you put some weight on the other that is known. And and as much as it takes to balance it, that tells you how many ounces, right? And so you got to make sure when you start, it's empty. And then you start putting on the ounces until it finally balances. Okay, the dust. Well, that's the stuff like when nothing's on it and there's a little bit of dust, you're not like, hang on. There's still a little dust. Like, oh, that's just dust. It's insignificant. It weighs nothing. I don't need to worry about it. And so who cares about the dust on the scale? Go ahead and start measuring. That's what he's saying. Uh, The nations and the massiveness to us of the billions upon billions, uh, insignificant, not needing to be measured. That's how huge our God is. Behold, he takes up the coastlands or the islands like fine dust. Uh, His vacuum cleaner is pretty huge. You know what I'm saying? Uh, He's just able to clean up or pick up like it's nothing. Uh, Verse 16, Lebanon would not suffice for fuel. Have you ever heard of the phrase, the cedars of Lebanon? Right? These big monster trees, and when you cut them down, they burn like nonstop. They're so thick and heavy. These are awesome trees to be burning, and they're great for fuel. And I'm telling you, the entire forests of the entire area of Lebanon, nothing. That's what he's trying to say. Uh, he's trying to come up with as many analogies as he possibly can for us to grasp that God is awesome. All right, that's nor it's beasts enough for a burnt offering. Hey, if you're going to give God a burnt offering, let's be real. One, a hundred, a thousand, a million, never enough to show how glorious he is. Our God is mighty. He is huge. He is awesome. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Here's where I want to stop and be really careful. It is true that compared to our God, we're nothing and he is everything. That's so true. But here's the beauty. He stops and tends to us like shepherd with his sheep. Like God cares for you and he cares for me. He reaches in and he's compassionate in our lives. The Lord Almighty. And and while we are insignificantly small in that regard, he stops and pays total attention and gives care into our hearts and to our lives. That's our king. That's our God. May we worship him with all we have. We have a God who is so worth knowing. Behold your God. Behold your God. 
You know, uh, I just wrote this down. Four steps to beholding God. Four steps to beholding God. Uh, Number one, uh, if you want to really understand who God is, pour over his word. Pour over the Bible. Spend time in the word. All right. And if you're spending time like, well, I do, I read it. I spend like at least 30 seconds a day in a power read. And, and I'm telling you, spend a little more time than that. Slow down and really see what God has to say. Spend some time evaluating the passage, pour over it. Uh, a great thing to do, pulling out verbs and just saying, so what are the action words that are called for here? What's going on here? And what might I need to learn about God? Number one, and then about myself and what I should be doing. Pour over his word. Let his word begin to speak as the Holy Spirit moves in your life. You want to behold God? Grasp what he has to say. All right? That's number one. Let's pour over him. Number two, uh, spend some time in power prayer. Uh, You know, the word tells us to uh, pray always. Clearly, it can't mean always. I mean, what about the time where I pull up at the toll booth and I have to pay the guy and I'm talking to him. I clearly can't be praying right then. And there's like, sir, you owe a dollar. And you're like, I can't believe I have to pay a dollar. Lord, I'm just praying to you right now instead. And like, clearly it doesn't mean be praying then. I have to figure it out and pay the man a dollar. And like praying always. And it, it means that in every single step of every single day, you are reasoning through and saying, Lord, what do you want done? And Lord, right now in this situation, is this what you want? And what do you want me to say? And is this what your glory is all about in this? And Father, I'm celebrating you right here. And and that's what it looks like to always be praying. There's a prayerfulness about your approach. There's a recentering constantly. It doesn't mean get up in the morning, take one deep breath, pray for 20 seconds, and then live the rest of your life. And you're like, I don't know. God doesn't seem that big to me. That's because you're walking around with your eyes closed. You're not meeting the king in his vastness and letting him lead you right there in the moment. Instead, you're living your day, uh, eyes blinded and not seeing God for who he is. Behold him in the word, in prayer. uh, Number three, allow God to work. Uh, All too often in the midst of our problems, we're frustrated by the problem. And so the first thing we do is we take control. And as we take control, well, guess what we do then? We start manipulating the circumstances. We start offending individuals. We start demanding it be a certain way. And God doesn't seem very big at all. And well, that's because, in fact, the way we're living our lives, I must be God. We're not beholding him. We're beholding me. And and welcome to the wrath of Tim. I will make this be. And then then you get nothing out of it. And people look at you and roll their eyes. And then at the end of the day, you're like, I don't know. God doesn't seem that big. How we live our lives allows us to take in his greatness. Number four, uh, watch for his miracle hand. As you're patiently hanging back, watch God work. That's when you start to grasp his vastness. When the problem you were struggling with begins to be resolved, when the people whose hearts were wrong start to be righted and you didn't do anything to make it happen and God's actually working. Time in his word, time in prayer, waiting on him and watching God work. Behold the Lord your God. I'm telling you all too often, so many of us, it's like we're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon with our eyes closed. And we're like, it doesn't seem very grand to me. And they're like, open your eyes. And you're like, whatever, dude. It doesn't seem grand to me. And our eyes are still closed. And and the one moment that the Grand Canyon will begin to seem grand is when you open your eyes and you're out on that little glass platform. And you're like, oh, right? That's when you get the vastness. Like drink in how big he is. Open your eyes to him. Lord, I long to see you as you are. May I no longer be spiritually blinded from your vastness and your greatness. May I be in awe of who you are.
You know, this past week uh, I was talking with a guy and he said simply this, help me uh, long for Jesus Christ. Like I want to be all in with him. And right now I'm, I'm kind of in, but kind of not. I like hold back and, and like, I want to be all in and, and it's time for me to not be distracted. And, and all we did is walk through, well, what's it look like to let his word speak to us, to have this be a recentering tool daily and weekly. I'm telling you every week that I come up here to preach, my prayer is Lord gut me on this passage first. That I might be able to share out. And if you walk around with that prayer. You will be stunned. With God's greatness. I mean stunned. Lord gut me. With your grandeur. Open my eyes. As as I stand at the edge of you. And see you as you are. That's our call. So a question. Are you beholding God? Are you seeing him as he is or is the busyness of life, you know, the turkey we have to buy and the stuffing we have to make and the, and the, all the stuff that we have to put together for a great day with friends. And all of a sudden we're so distracted and, and God gets no time or maybe it's job. It's just overwhelming you. The things that are going on that you have to take care of are, are you beholding your king? Time in the word, time in prayer, waiting upon him and watching him work. Watch the amazing king. Maybe you are beholding him. And then here's the next question that goes right with it. Are you proclaiming him? I am seeing him work. And well, then go ahead. That's not point two yet. That's still question from point one. You diligent page turners, right? So seriously, Make sure you're proclaiming him. It's the end of point one is, Lord, I see your greatness and and I want to tell others about you. And and I'm not just supposed to know about it so that personally I can walk around with my little private notes. I'm supposed to tell those around me how awesome you are and, and let God rock you and then get ready to share them. Hey, that's all we've ever done around this place. Like how did Harvest Bible Chapel get to be what it is? And because we keep teaching and preaching, Lord, rock us. And when we're rocked, well, then we'll share out. We'll just tell people what you're doing in our lives and how awesome you are and what your word says. And behold him, proclaim him. That's the first point. All right. Behold him, proclaim him. Second, truly the second point now. Let no object or person take the place of the almighty in your life. Let no object or person take the place of the almighty in your life. All too often we uh, replace God. Verse 18, it says, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compares with him? Isaiah just got done on a preach session of God's vastness and greatness, God's awesomeness, his amazingness. And he's like, so, question for you. Calling you out here. What would you compare to that? That's my question. And then his answer, verse 19. An idol? Are you kidding me? An idol. You're going to craft something yourself and call it equal to the giant creator of the universe. He says, a craftsman casts it, a human being. He makes it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. I mean, in the end, he's got gold coverings on it and silver chains on it. And and yeah, sure, it's been made nicely by a human being. And then you place it up on the shelf and you're kind of done. And for those of you who are a little less wealthy, all right, maybe you didn't put gold and silver on it. You just went with wood. He says, he who is too impoverished for an offering, you choose wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman. He's so skilled, in fact, that he designs it so that it will not move. It will not totter. It will not tip over. And you're kidding me. Like, that's the best you can do. Your mighty idol, it just won't fall over. It's like a weeble. It wobbles, but it won't fall down. Wow, impressive. Way to create. 
And yeah, I'm sure he'll rush to your side. And that's the best you can do is make something on a shelf. And I'm telling you this at this time, uh, they were challenged with gods. They put on shelves in our time. Uh, we're challenged with the God of self. It's not the shelf. It's the self that we put in the way. And all of a sudden it's all about me uh, or my kids and their sports. There's a touchy one. Like, watch out. Be careful with what you do in your families and what statement you're making about the role that God should play in your life. Let nothing take first place except your king. The end. That's what he's talking about here. No idols. He says, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Like, are you kidding me? You don't get it? Seriously, you really? 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 You don't get this? It's kind of obvious. It really does always stun me that I hear people uh, worshiping uh, man-made objects. I don't get that at all. Uh, And yet, uh, we're not stunned at all when people are all wrapped up in themselves, right? And um, be very careful. Uh, What's obvious to us might not be so obvious to the person next to us, but most likely they're looking at you going, seriously, that's your choice, right? And we all choose things that at the wrong times place ourselves in front and not God. Uh, God deserves way more. Verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Um, By the way, remember that whole era of time when the earth was thought to be flat? Remember that? Not saying you were alive then, but do you recall that fact? Right? Do you recall it? No heads nodding. Do you recall that fact? All right. Read your Bibles. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And God knows what he's talking about as he shares. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Have you ever put a grasshopper in your hand? And it's just like this little kind of innocent thing and, and it can jump away and, uh, you could severely hurt that thing if you're not careful. And, and uh, grasshoppers, that's where we stand with God. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Have you ever gotten in the shower and you're like, and close the curtain? That's God making heaven. You know what I'm saying? It's like it doesn't take much. Done. You stretched out the heavens. Kind of like you would stretch out your curtain when you take a shower. Every week this week, when you're taking a shower, say, wow, you're big, God. All right. And uh, he spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Okay, let's be honest. Making tents is hard. Uh, We used to do daddy-daughter campouts. We were part of this this thing called Indian Princesses uh, with the YMCA. And uh, twice a year, we would go camp out. Uh, Never did I need my engineering degree more. That in the moment where I was trying to put a tent together with a six-year-old. And uh, we had a blast doing it. And uh, a lot of fun as we camped out. And uh, I'm thinking maybe his analogy blew up with me here. But uh, he, he spreads it like a tent to dwell in. I'm telling you, a tent, it's temporary and it's small. And, uh, and it's not the thing you would reside in for life. And, and that's what he views. The eternal, the, the creation around him. Like I'm telling you, it's just nothing but a little tent. That's what he's saying. That's the vastness of our God. He brings princes to nothing. And he makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. All leaders, yeah, they report to him. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them away like stubble. Uh, Picture picking up a dandelion. When it's in the tail end of its life stage and it's all the white stuff on it, right? And you're like, ruler of the world, God controlling what's going on. Uh, Be careful. God knows exactly what's happening. And so here's my request. Um, When you're considering politics, when you're considering your nation, when you're considering how to pray, know this. God has him in hand. He has it in hand and be praying for your rulers. Romans chapter 13 and God is in charge 
and, and whatever he chooses in whatever moment, you're like, well, that's not the guy I would have voted for. And, and like, well, there are other people saying the same in prior generations. And, and just know this, God knows what he's doing in the moment to be able to work people towards a greater glory. And here's not what it is, that the United States might be glorified. Are you hearing me? End goal, that God might be glorified. And man, we better grasp that. God's got a purpose. And Lord, I'm leaning on you and I'm trusting in you. And I don't care which angle you come from and which side you're at. In the end, make sure politics comes underneath your king. Because all leaders report to him. And all of God's people said, yeah, I can't believe he got me to say amen on that one. Like it's important. Don't let politics override God almighty. And make sure you understand that leaders and princes, yeah, they're all under his control. And like the dandelion, he can blow and they'll wither and drop and blow away. God's in control. Trust in him and trust in him alone. Idols, a sin. It's the thing in our life that we tend to always go after and we can't really explain it. Uh, but as we do it, It just makes so much sense to us in the moment. You know what I'm talking about? Like in the moment that whatever's going wrong or whatever, however you get into the moment of temptation and you're like, of course I would do that. And, and it's complete sin, selfishness and idolatry. Like, what are we thinking about? And what are we missing in the midst? I tell you what we're not thinking about in that moment. God's greatness is not at hand. It's our comfort. We have dismissed him and said, I now put myself on the throne. Thank you. Now I have a different solution. And uh, so I've used this analogy. I used it last year with the men's ministry, but it's a powerful analogy. It preaches well. So I'm using it again. And uh, so, hey, you know how they capture monkeys in Africa? This is what they do. So they go over to the edge of a cliff and they cut a hole in the wall, a hole in the cliff. And as they cut that hole, it's just big enough for like a monkey's hand to get into. And then inside they hollow it out and they put a banana in there. They slide it in and put it in there. But the hole is small enough so that when you grab and make a fist, you can't pull out. Okay. The fist has you trapped. All right. And so the banana's inside. They reach inside, they grab the banana and then they pull and they're stuck. And they freak out and these guys can walk up and just put little rope ties around their legs and ties around their arms and calm them down and take them away to happy land somewhere. I just made that story happy. I don't know what really happens to them, but maybe it's not that pretty. I don't know. But you know what? Their, their hand is what caught them. This is all they had to do to get out. Hear me? That's it. And you're free. And they're like, won't let go of the banana. And how often is that like us with our sin? With the thing we choose to go after where we won't let go. And I'm, I'm going to stay on this one no matter what. And, and it's our end. As we're stuck in the cliff only because we're holding on. Let go. You'll be amazed with the freedom you can have with your king. That's what he's saying. Get done with the idols and the self. Be done with the the thing in the moment that brings comfort. Release and worship your God. You'll be amazed at the freedom you find. So a question for you. Uh, What's your banana? Uh, What's the thing you hold on to way too much? Uh, when you're in tough times, this is what you go to and it causes you great distress. What sin do you keep revisiting? What thing about yourself do you want lifted up? Really think about it here. Like what needs to be set down? And now it's time to set it before him. Literally picture yourself going. And I'm done. And set it at his feet. It's over. Lord, I'm not battling. I want you honored in my life. I want you worshipped 
as my king. And in this moment, I have recognized and it's done. Praise be to God. Hey, it's a regular daily battle of releases. Make sure you embrace that as you go through your day. God, I'm ready to let go of my banana that you might be glorified. Huge deal. So number one is behold him in his glory and then proclaim it. Number two is no idols, no people, no things, nothing set before him. And number three is uh, wait, wait on your incomparable God and be renewed by him daily. Wait on your incomparable God and be renewed by him daily. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Do you remember that phrase? Who are you going to compare me to? Second time we've heard it. Like seriously, I keep telling you how great I am. I need you to grasp how awesome I am and how nothing will compare with this. And uh, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, no one is missing. That's our God. Our God is great. Our God is massive. And he's worth trusting. Uh, are you ready? I need a real answer on this one now. Uh, our God is what? Great. Yeah, like, let's not walk away without it. Our God is what? Great. Yeah, he's massive. He's great. He deserves our worship and our praise. And Lord, I'm going after you with all I've got. And so what's that look like? He says, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Remember, this is forward looking to the back end of when people are in uh, captivity in Babylon. And they're basically saying, seriously, God, this is your plan. I, I think your plan stinks. Just a little note from me to you. And maybe you're in that moment right now. Where you're like, God, I'm shaking my fist at you. I don't like where I am. I think you're disregarding me. And I think you don't grasp the problems I'm in. Lord, I'm wrestling with your greatness. Because why would I be in this? That's a real problem. God's greatness. Coming face to face with my problems. His answer. Verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Like I'm telling you, hang on. Because you're talking about the temporal. But God has this thing covered for eternity. From eternity past to eternity future, our God has it covered. He is everlasting. He is what? Everlasting. everlasting. Like he does not stop on this thing. He is relentless in the midst of it. My problem is well at hand in my God's hand. And I'm looking in the moment, but he's looking at all of eternity. And I'm trusting him with all he's got. Lord, I'm handing you my problem right now. Lord, I see you as everlasting. The creator of the ends of the earth. You speak and it is. You can do anything. Lord, I'm trusting you. You speak. And it is. Please speak into my problem, Lord. I'm ready to trust you with all I've got. He does not faint or grow weary. He does not faint or grow weary. Hey, look, we can put a lot of energy into things. We can go after stuff. Uh, but it doesn't take long until we're tired and we need to sleep more. And, and, then, and then we have Thanksgiving turkey and the tryptophan or whatever it is, I love that argument. It works well for me because then I can sleep in the afternoon on Thursday. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. And I, that's never God. Never. Always full energy, ready to leap in exactly where appropriate. So it's not that he's not doing something because he uh, doesn't have eternity in mind. It's not that he's not doing something because he doesn't have the energy. He's got all of that covered. It says, 
Uh, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Uh, his depths of knowledge, his breadth of grasp, God's got it under control. Uh, the problem going on in my life right now and what God's doing with it, well, it's, it's not that he doesn't know what to do. He's got that under control as well. Completely grasped my problem. I'm trusting in you, Lord. He gives power to the faint. See, here's what I love. He turns the corner. It's not just God's awesome great being out there. But it actually is that he affects my life. He gives power to the faint. He literally enters my life when I'm weak, when I have nothing left. And he's like, I have something for you. And he pours it in. Notice it doesn't say he removes the problem. Do you see that? It doesn't say that. Sometimes he does. Sometimes that's exactly what God does. But oftentimes what he does is say, I understand the problem and I'm going to give you strength to get through it. Like through it, not around it is often God's plan. And so whatever you're struggling with right now, please note that the great and mighty God of the universe has a plan and he loves you and he has almighty power and he has unlimited energy and he's got an eternity in focus and he's going to give you the power to get through. Lean on him. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Hey, let's not be careful. Let's be careful to not just read scripture in one little spot. Uh, be careful. It's not just great. So God always gives strength to the weak. Uh, remember, there's also a leaning on him, a trusting in him that's required. And we see that in other passages of scripture. And, and so he's calling us to a faith-based relationship in him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He's calling us to trust in him and call upon him. And in the midst of that, he gives us strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. And all of those with three-year-olds say, amen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, kids have a ton of energy and they run around like crazy. But there's a time where they even wind down. Where you see them fade. Not God. He does not fade. Uh, young men shall fall exhausted. I wish I could call myself a young man now. I think I might be edging past that a little bit. I'm not sure. Uh, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. A verse that many of us know very well. Uh, they who wait on the Lord. Uh, this word literally means to watch with expectant hope. All right? It has hope built into it. Waiting on the Lord. This is not waiting on the Lord. Oh, no, man. What's he doing? This is not waiting on the Lord. All right? That is waiting and trying to control. Like the more times I look at my watch, maybe God will get the point and come rushing down here and, and waiting on the Lord. I'm trusting in you, God, and you've got this under control, and, and I have no idea what's next, but you do, and you are great, and you are mighty, and you have my heart, and you've got my eyes. I'm watching you. Lord, I'm trusting you with all I have. Wait for the Lord. He will renew their strength. Uh, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Like renewing your strength. It means you had some, but it's gone and he's going to bring it back. And you're going to mount up like eagles. You know, these huge, uh, glorious birds that when they launch into the air can catch the wind and coast for forever. These birds, when you watch them, they seem so in charge. They are massive and authoritative, but they're also stunning and beautiful. He's like, I'm telling you, you can get wings like eagles and be soaring up there no matter what the problem is. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And for me, that would be a miracle. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there was a point where I said to my daughter, uh, Lisa, she wanted to do a little running. And we said, hey, let's go out. And, and uh, so we raced. Uh, it was like 40 yards. And I was done. Like I got three houses down and I'm like, <sighs> and she's, she comes back. She's like, are you serious? Are you like exhausted already? Uh, yeah, that was a long way. That second house is big. 
you know? Uh, unlike my wife who runs miles upon miles. and uh, But still, you get to the 10 miles out, the 15 miles out, there's a point where you're done. And he's like, you will run and not grow weary. Not ever, ever, ever when you run in me. Lean on me. I've got huge things for you. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, that sounds like a plus. Walking and not fainting. Hey, we can trust in our God with all we have. And I know that many of us today are struggling with things that maybe even haven't been voiced. You have a God who cares. He's your shepherd. And I'm telling you this. I look at a passage that's about the greatness of our God. But it's more than that. It's about hope in your life. It's about as you're going through whatever struggle or hurt it may be, you have a God who can pour into you. Wait on him. Watch him. How do I wait on the Lord? Those same four things we talked about. Pouring into his word and power time in prayer and stepping back and waiting for him to move in the situation and watching for a miracle hand. Our God is amazing with what he can do. I have no idea what you're struggling with today, but it's time to lay it before him. It's time to say, God, I'm done trying to carry it myself. I need your strength, Lord. Pour it into me that I might give you the greater glory. I'm not asking for the problem to be done. I'm asking for me to be done struggling that you might get the greater glory. What's your problem that you're struggling with? It's time to set it right at God's feet and say, Lord, I'm done. I trust in you as my great God, as my almighty shepherd who can speak and things change. Lord, you have control of my life. Feel free to fuel up anytime you want and I'll give you the glory. Praise be to God. We serve a God who deserves to be watched. Amen. We serve a God who deserves to be worshipped. Amen. We serve a God where we should behold him with all we have. Amen. Our job is to behold our God. Let's just say that together. Behold our God. Bigger. Behold our God. Bigger yet. Behold our God. As we walk out this week, our job is simply that. Watch God work. Drop at his feet. May he get the greater glory. Let's pray.